This is the Permaculture Podcast. I'm Scott Mann. Caring for Earth includes caring for ourselves. To help us find ways to stay active throughout our lives, I'm joined by Katie Bowman as she shares her work on the importance of incorporating regular, whole body movement throughout the day, with a focus on stacking activities to make sure we stretch, flex, reach, push, and pull during our regular routines. In this way, we can express a full range of motion inhabited in our bodies without needing to worry about making time to go to the gym, unless we want to. Throughout the conversation, she includes numerous ways to redesign our current habits into ones with more use of our body, while framing the conversation as one not of exercise, but with movement as a form of nutrition, and how we can look for and address any deficits we may find. Enjoy this conversation with Katie, and I'll join you again after. I am a biomechanist by training, by education, I guess, and training. I have an undergraduate and a graduate degree in biomechanics, which is a, a field within kinesiology, which is a study of human movement. So biomechanics is really specifically looking at the levers and pulleys, the changes in shape, the mechanical laws that govern movement, which is different than like exercise physiology or where they're looking at uh, different things. How I came to it, just truthfully, I, I came to it because I had studied math and physics for a long time at university and found it sort of lackluster. I'm definitely a in the real world, hands-on work with other people kind of person and was thrilled to find this closing program. Actually, I was closing at my university. I was in the last class and graduated with it. And it's just a study of the interplay between movement and physical forces and how that affects the living system, you know, our living system. But biomechanists also study non, non-body things, study plants and other animals as well. Any living system has biomechanical laws, principles that it's beholden to. From your background in biomechanics, what led you to create nutritious movement and teach people how to move their bodies and do so in the environment? It's a long 20-year journey. All the movement I really knew was exercise. Like most people, you know, like that's the first image or concept that comes to mind when you hear that word, movement. And so in the movement world, in the exercise world, there's a big focus on something called form, a good form. And so biomechanists are sort of the origin of the concept of why one form would be better than another form, because it's the physical loads that you're creating that would make a form good or not good, depending on the goal that you have. So I spent a lot of time in that realm helping people with form, but I just started to work with just more and more types of bodies. You know, I was exposed to what I call goldener bodies, you know, in the geriatric portion of our program. And then you also work with children. And so you see developing bodies. And then there's also what's called adaptive physical education, where you study bodies that have disabilities and how those folks negotiate daily movements. And so you're, you're definitely seeing the spectrum of how bodies need to be able to move for the activities of daily living, as well as for general fitness. And so my exposure was to all of those things. And then I just became fascinated as to what was it that brought us to different things? Like what were the movements that we needed in order to develop as children? 
I really started studying a cross-cultural perspective in graduate school because everything that I learned, again, was exercise-centric. But when you step outside of exercising countries, you realize that humans have been moving for a very long time and is not exercise. And also different groups of humans have different ailments or diseases. And so I was really interested. I like patterns. I'm a pattern seeker by nature. What was it about the way people were moving that led to a particular set of conditions, like to try to reverse engineer the mechanics? So I became interested in, in how we move, why we move the way we move, and what was it about our environment? So like that's brought me to what nutritious movement is which is going, oh, I really understand movement to be more like a dietary nutrient. So you can take everything that you understand about dietary nutrition and parlay it onto movement because there's a movement to nutrition to which we are not really aware of yet. I mean, in the same way, to not starve, you need to eat calories. Like that would be the most basic way of giving someone you know, good eating advice. We've come 500 years beyond that to understand there's many more things in movement. We're still at like just exercise and you'll be fine. So it's, it's to kind of reverse engineer. It's like, Oh, what does movement nutrition look like? So that's what nutritious movement is helping people in their daily life, figure out what that means for them. Could you share a bit more with us about how these ideas developed and then became your books like movement matters and grow wild and what listeners who might become readers can do to increase the amount of movement in their lives and through that, the ways that that might improve their mobility and their lives? You can begin to approach movement twofold. One is the concept of getting enough movement, getting enough movement calories, right? So we could start at that simple perspective. And I think that most people are like, yeah, I know that. Like, I, like that's been a pretty consistent message. Public health for the last 30 years, probably even more. But I would say the thing that you would take away from nutritious movement is a second layer, which is those movement calories, that total amount of movement that you get each day really does need to be distributed throughout the body well. I liken it again to food in the idea that you can have a food that's good for you, nutrient-dense food, but you cannot subsist on that one food alone that even the most nutritious food is not a complete diet package and that you will experience ailments in the absence of those other nutrients, even if the food that you've selected is nutrient dense. So you can think of moving in the same way, which is, I thought I only needed to move enough, but there's also this extra layer. Like I wrote two books on feet. Because even for those who are moving regularly, they take a daily walk, they exercise three or four times a week, we tend to stick our feet. So if you look at your hands and you spread your fingers and you make fists and relax, all this dexterity, imagine playing a piano or all the movements to grip a pencil and write or type, your feet have that same capability. But your feet have had a different experience in your hands. For most of us, they've been inside footwear that's bound them where, you know, from your ankles down is 25% of the number of muscles and bones in your body. So 25% of you, even if your whole body has been active, there's parts of you that are still sedentary. And a lot of times your discomforts, the ailments, injuries, or disabilities that can arise are often 
location specific and relate to how you've moved that particular area or not in your body. So like there's that extra layer to think about movement. And finally, the third way you can start thinking about it is exercise by definition, by clinical definition, is movement that's done purely for the physical benefit. So that's a big way you delineate between exercise and non-exercise physical activity. So if, if you use active transportation, you know, you ride your bike or even you walk to go to the grocery store or go to work, that's not exercise per se. That's physical activity because it has another purpose than solely making you better. So the more we can start to shift our thinking like, oh, Katie says I need to move more and I need to move more of my body parts. I'm going to need to pick up an extra exercise session and I need to change my modality of exercise. What I'm really saying is movement throughout the bulk of the human timeline until very, you know, minutes ago, seconds ago, relatively speaking, movement used to be the conduit for the things we needed. It, well, there was no exercise really outside of just living your daily life. So as we've moved to more technologically supported conveniences, and I use conveniences in air quotes because it's not actually a convenience in the end because it doesn't save you any time at all when all it did was get rid of the movement that you then have to figure out how to add on <laughs> later to the end of the day, that if you can think outside of exercise, you'll find that most of the things you do on a daily basis now that are outside of the exercise category can be made more active. So that's where you're going to find those increased minutes of movement. And that's where you're going to find those increased motions of your body. So it's not just total minutes a day. It's, it's, it's just moving my feet or my ankles or my knees or my hips or my shoulders or my back or my trunk or my neck, you know, like that movement is being distributed and it fits quite well into these spots. So like th that would be a, a new framework as you're starting your wellness journey, if you are in fact just starting it or starting to go into it with gusto, that you're thinking about movement in a new way, taking it outside the exercise box and adding those two other layers to it. And you'll find that more movement is a lot easier to find. So then this is taking those movement calories and separating them away from that physical culture that arose in Europe, particularly during the Victorian era. And taking it away from that or like the exercise culture, that idea of going to the gym and getting our workout in or lifting or hitting the treadmill and instead looking to incorporate more movement into our day-to-day -day lives rather than just trying to find more time to exercise. Correct. And I think it goes, I mean, I think it goes to more like the Greeks. There's definitely been cultures who have celebrated of physicality and competition and performance just for that sake. You know, it's quite old. I think it's older than we realize. Still, there's a lot of ways to put movement back into your regular life and not have to be working on fitness or working on performance explicitly. That doesn't mean that you won't be improving your physical fitness or won't be improving your performance. It's just that those have been the motivations or the intentions for why we move rather than moving to facilitate other things in our daily life. How can we go about incorporating more movement into our lives? Is this something where you have some simple suggestions that we could use about more movement? Or is this 
something where, you know, as permaculture practitioners, we should sit down with our permaculture design thinking and work on reorganizing the way that we live so that we can incorporate more movement regularly. Yes, to one of the suggestions that you had. I think you can do it in a few different ways. One of the ways that I like to talk about it right now is to look at the domains in which you spend your time. So there's a time economic model that breaks down that humans are really spending their time. You can sort it into domains in which we are either, and it's it's called the sloth model, S-L-O-T-H, sleep, leisure, occupation, transportation, and home. So you're always in one of those five domains. And so what you're looking for is how to make what you do in those domains more active. And so it's going to require you looking at how you are spending your time in those domains and then going, okay, these are the activities that I'm doing. I mean, the bulk of what I write about is just how to convert your tasks from sedentary ones to active ones, no matter the domain. Where we choose to put our plates or our silverware or our tea in our, in our kitchen is all about moving as little as possible. It's like, I don't want to have to take too many steps between where I dry my dishes and where I put them away. So my suggestion is if you rearrange your kitchen to put the things that you use on a regular basis up high and down low, what you're putting back in are the bends of your knees and your hips and your ankles and the reaches of your elbows and shoulders that we are spending a lot of time for many people going to therapy to be able to get. We're just sort of following the sedentary culture of how you set up your lives without realizing that a sedentary culture sets up our daily lives, really even the minuscule things of the small choices to reduce movement. And so that's what we're up against right now. So like that's one way you can look at your domains. The other way is more of a permaculture approach. So the wording that I use, and this comes from Movement Matters, is stacking your life. So we all have tasks that we spend the bulk of our time doing, and we're selecting tasks to meet our needs. Our human needs are pretty much identical across the human. I mean, you've got your basic needs for sleep and eating and moving and time with others, relationships and rest and work to be productive. So we are all meeting our needs through the tasks that we pick. So the tasks just happen to be sedentary and often done in series. The example that I use for how I switch tasks would be, you know, I'm a parent. I had younger children at one point. They're now nine and 10. So they're a little bit older, but When they're really little, like every day, I have to feed them. I have to educate them. We need to move them. We need to be outside. You know, we need that vitamin nature, that dose of play. And when you look at your needs in series, you're you're going, okay, I need 30 minutes to to do that and 30 minutes to do that and 30 minutes to do that. So you're looking at three hours to meet six different 30-minute needs. But then I thought, well, what if I just take them on a walk to the grocery store and walk past an old apple tree that I know is there. And so I choose to do that instead. And now I got exercise. I got dinner ingredients ready. They got a walk. We got to be outside the whole time. And then of course, 
it becomes more nutrient dense. We met three different neighbors. They're handing zucchinis over the fence and, you know, we're carrying stuff. So now we're also moving our arms. By changing a task, by changing my approach to how I met my needs, I was able to find a single task that ended up meeting multiple needs rather than picking multiple tasks that each meet a single need individually. So I think that's a very much a, a permaculture approach. You can do it either way. And I've written about how to, how to do it, no matter how you want to approach it, but the solutions are there, but it's just changing your thinking to go, what's the dynamic version of this? This reminds me of the permaculture principle to integrate rather than segregate, that rather than breaking our day into these monotasks to look for ways to bring together different activities into something where we can accomplish several things at the same time, including adding more movement. Yeah, I just call it movement permaculture, where you're looking to layer movement back into all the other tasks. Because again, if your definition of efficiency is too small, you'll miss that saving movement isn't really actually saving you any movement because you need it. We live in a culture where we've gotten rid of our need to physically move to get the things that we need, but we haven't gotten rid of our body's physiological need for movement. So as long as that exists, it's not more efficient to get rid of the movement because you're only accumulating a movement debt, so to speak. And we can see that division across the different domains of our lives with once we're done at an office job or something sedentary, we need to take that time afterwards to get our movement in at the gym. If we pick up food on the way home, get some takeout or something, we're not in our kitchen moving around while we're cooking. And I can see how all of these little interactions and cascading effects and impacts can put us into that movement debt. And how if we're just sitting and standing at a desk for much of our day, that if we're not in our kitchen kneeling down to get something out of a bottom cabinet or reaching up over our head to get a glass or something that we need, that we're missing this range of motion and movement throughout our day. Yeah, I think this is a really good fit. And how as permaculture folks, we design not only the garden and the landscape, but also our lives. You know, I've written things like how to make your gardening a little bit more dynamic. I think that a lot of times we think of plants as different sizes for the plants reasons, but not necessarily our relationship to them. The fact that tall plants like move you taller and humans don't really include themselves in the ecology very much. You know, we tend to think of ourselves outside of nature. We tend to think of ourselves outside of natural models or ecological models with the exception of I'm going to consume the thing when it's done. But there is this exchange of your physical motion for the thing that you need. Like that's how food has always worked up again until fairly recently where movement has always been the precursor for eating. Like you need to move in order to eat. And the more you move, the more you got to eat. And thus the more movement and more eating you're able to do in the future. So there's just a very tight relationship to it. And I think that no matter our ability, we all have our individual physical ability, we can be moving more because the definition of movement that I use is so broad, we can be moving more in many capacities that might currently not even be on our radar. 
And that breadth of meaning that you have when it comes to movement, and as you've shared with us, because movement is being separated from exercise, what you're advocating for is not prescriptive. It's not a particular type of motion or a set series of activities, but rather to include more movement into what we are doing every day with the bodies that we have. Oh, yeah. I do think that I can be prescriptive about it. You know, like I would say that, you know, if you go and buy a book about the dietary nutrients your general physiology needs, I mean, that's the prescription, but we can only do with that prescription what we can do with it. You know, sometimes there could be a physiological barrier. I'm still talking about dietary nutrients. Like maybe you can't absorb something. Maybe you're allergic to something that prevents that dietary nutrient from coming in. Maybe you live in a food desert and those foods aren't available. The prescription is what it is. And then we all have to do with it what we are able to do. And then, of course, always look at the relationship with what we can't do as different than what I can't do yet or can't do right now so that they, it doesn't get cemented in any particular way. And then as a society, we're always looking at, okay, now that we see that this is a reason that people can't get these dietary nutrients, we're going to work on this as a larger group. The same goes for movement. I would say that there is a prescription for the movements that we need of certain volume and a certain, you know, like you want to move all the parts of your body, but there's going to be reasons, physical ability reasons that not everyone can do that. I mean, I run in a lot of times to issues of people who live in areas for which a lot of movement isn't possible for safety reasons. There's good reasons why many people can't fit in an evening walk when the sun is down in the area in which they live. But that doesn't mean that they don't need that walk. What it means is they're not able to get it at this point. Or maybe some people can't walk. Maybe you can't walk because of more permanent reason. And maybe you can't walk because of something more acute or temporary. So just to be really always clear about what the barriers are and the permanence or movability of those barriers because I do think with movement specifically, I don't think it's accidental that our entire society and global societies are going in the way of sedentarism. I mean, this is a massive global public health problem that is recognized. People are waving flags saying we can't go on with this many people moving in the direction of high-tech sedentarism. Because I think that it is our nature to conserve energy. I think we came with the program that we both needed a ton of movement and to avoid it whenever we could. Those are the two things that set you up for survival in a less human dominated environment. So we have to understand that that's our nature to be able to do. So I think our nature will always want to see why the movement isn't possible and we need to also encourage, or it's made, I have made it my work to encourage, like, of course, there are reasons why we can't move either our whole person sometimes, or even certain areas of a person. But that doesn't usually take all movement off the board. Here in where I live in um, the Olympic Peninsula of Washington State, we have a community garden that was built to accommodate wheelchairs. Like, it's primarily built to accommodate people in wheelchairs who, who can't bend over very well, back problems or whatever. So all the raised beds are high. Like it was just made that as a standard. So I think that there's, there's a lot of ways we can think about it, but if you don't know a lot about 
evaluating movement or why, why certain movements aren't able to be done. Like the less you know about movement and your, the way your body moves, the harder it is for you to figure out how you can move. And so that's a lot of what nutritious movement is too, is like, you need to learn more about your own body and its need for movement and how it moves so that you can then, no matter what your situation is, figure out how you personally can optimize your total minutes of movement per day, or also just the parts of you that are moving in the course of a day. Like there's many ways, again, to think about movement. Sometimes it's just going outside. Outside moves you in unique ways, which I explain in Move Your DNA. And so getting yourself into a more nature-rich version of whatever indoor sitting activity is another way to move more that I think is underappreciated. And do you have any other suggestions on how we can think about or incorporate more of this nutritious movement into our lives? One, whether you already move a lot for your work or in your daily life, or if you don't really at all, adding a walk is a really great place to increase your daily movement calories. And if you're not able to walk, then you can obviously roll instead. But I would encourage you, if you have the ability to walk, to walk and to not add wheels like via a bicycle. Walking moves your body in a very particular way. And that's what we're after in this particular case. And if you can find some place that is what we would consider walking distance that you just don't. So I'm not asking for a big distance, but something that's a relatively short, able to not have to rearrange your schedule distance. Commit to always going there via your human power because convenience will convince you that it's easier to just hop in your car and zip there and back. But the fact of the matter is at the end of the day, you'll never be unhappy that you got that extra half mile, mile or two mile walk. And it doesn't really take that much time when you remember that you needed to move anyhow. So you're not saving time by not choosing the more dynamic option in almost every case. Secondly, one of the simple ways to move more of your body parts is to adjust the way you just sit there. So we are all just sitting there quite a bit of the time. But if you look at cross-cultural perspectives is we tend to take our resting position in the same repetitive position that outsources almost all of our body's work to a piece of furniture. So that means that not only is the seat of your chair doing the work for your legs, the back of your chair is doing the work for your torso and your trunk and your upper back and your head and neck. So if you need to sit in the chair, scoot forward to the edge of it. So at least you remove the back support and allow a lot more of your torso muscles to hold you. Other sitting positions include floor sitting in a cross-legged position or a squatting position. There's actually 20 to 30 different floor sitting positions you can assume and you can adapt it if you're not able to get all the way to the floor or you have a stiff knee or a stiff hip or a stiff back. Then what you would do is find something that's shorter than what you sit on most of the time. So you can move to an ottoman, you can move to a crate, you can move to a stack of blankets or pillows and start taking some of your rest in a position or a series of positions that moves more of your parts. So you don't always have to move your whole body more from point A to point B. You can just move more parts of it when you are in your still or in place time. And finally, a very fun way 
to get a more dynamic life is to celebrate more dynamically. So we all have our own celebrations that we have. Celebrations, again, along the human time frame, used to be very dynamic. A lot of them were nature-centric celebrations, right? So just the fact that you had worked so hard to be able to extract things from the land and there was a bounty that you were going to celebrate um, or there was a change in seasons. So really embody that celebration, do things that are more by hand, pull out those old traditional recipes that you feel just take too much time and get your arms and shoulders moving and chopping and challenge yourself to learn something. So we're not, again, just rushing through all of our celebrations, take them outside if you can, take them into the dark hours if you can, invite more people, really cultivate that community to celebrate with you. Again, everything can be made to adapt to different abilities by being a little thoughtful. We've been able to do that for all of our celebrations and put the fun back in movement. Like realize that movement doesn't have to be in this chore, atonement for eating way that we've come to view it. We've come to view it as a punishment or something to endure or suffer through when in fact it used to be the conduit to life. So start reframing it as something that can actually enrich or make your life more joyful while getting you the very thing that most people on the top of their list will have move more. So stack it with your celebrations. Find out more about Katie's work, including her programs and numerous books, at nutritiousmovement.com. While you're there, be sure to pick up a copy of Grow Wild, a complete approach to getting children moving, as well as the rest of the folks we call family. I carried the thought of permaculture design as self-care into this conversation with Katie. The idea that permaculture starts with ourself and our well-being as a zone zero zero. As we perform a needs and yields analysis for the landscape, our communities, or the invisible structures that surround us, we should do the same for ourselves and our own lives. Doing this analysis ensures that our needs are being met and our yields are useful and utilized. When we discover places we are lacking, we can address that deficiency. Doing this over time, we can design our lives around our needs, strengths, and abilities so we can perform this work as we are able throughout a lifetime. Caring for ourselves, we are better equipped to care for the land, all life on earth, and each other. But that's just a few of my thoughts on this in the moment. What are yours? Let me know by leaving a comment in the show notes or by getting in touch. You can email me directly, show at thepermaculturepodcast.com. Send a text or WhatsApp message to plus one. 717-827-6266, or drop something in the mail. My mailing address is Scott Mann, Permaneo Group, LLC, 1390 Chainbridge Road, McLean, Virginia, 22101. Until the next time, spend each day moving your body, however you are able, while taking care of Earth, yourself, and each other.